hear the one million dogs? I do. Here we go. Like clockwork. Here we go. Also, I should say, welcome to Babetown. I fucking hate you. Love you. I love you. That's not true. Also, oh my god, happy birthday. Happy Babetown birthday. Happy Babetown birthday. Um, we're two years old today. We're, we are two years old today. Um, thank you. I feel very welcomed. Good. Uh, I feel only a scooch salty that you beat me to it, but fair. I was going to say that as a intro to hello people listening. We appreciate you. First of all, secondly, I am in a new apartment. I'm in a new place and there is no carpet. And so my soundproofing is no more. It actually though, I like now that you've adjusted, I can't even tell. Okay. Well, hopefully once I get like a rug and stuff, I won't have to like, be all up right on my microphone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hopefully I'll it's be able fine. to like sit back, relax, and it'll pick up the voice and not everything else in the apartment. We'll see. It's fine. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. Also, moving with a pet with anxiety is a journey. It is a whole thing, isn't it? She is so stressed about yep. everything. Yeah. And now she can see out the front windows. So when someone else is walking across the street, there's like a whole new thing to be stressed out about. She's like, why are you this close to me? Get away from me. I'm like they are 200 feet away. They are living their life. And they are literally just walking by. Mm-hmm. Let's let them go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that doesn't last forever. It won't. She'll get used to it. She'll get used to it. I feel like we're look back okay. on this clip in a year and be like, I guess I'm still not used to it. Okay, tiny cat. We made her live in three different hotels, moved her to a place that had two cats and two extra people. You really did. And then we moved her again. Yeah, you really did. All three of those moves also included minimum two hour long drives. And mm. she's fine. So like, she'll get used to it. She will. And I feel like she's she's really, really thankful. She seems really happy that we have more space. Yeah. She seems yeah. happy to run around. And once we – they're renovating the, like, fence around our backyard right now. Mm-hmm. So the gates aren't up. So we can't let her off leash. But once the gates are up and we can let her, like, actually run around, she'll be very, very pleased. Own personal little dog park. Mm-hmm. With a whole bunch of tomato plants. Cute. And a couple of pepper plants. It's so cute. Wow. So cute. cute. I love that. And our landlord and the guy that lived below us. So like we're sandwiched by these guys who are in a band and they rehearse in the garage. Oh my God. It's my favorite thing. What kind of band? Is it good? Can you hear them? Couldn't tell you. I could tell that they were rehearsing yesterday or practicing. I don't know what you call it. They were playing some tunes yesterday. I think and it's still I, rehearsal. Sure. Right? It's not like football. I got a band rehearsal? Practice? I feel like it's still band oh, practice. Yeah, you say band practice. I don't know. If you're in a band, please let us know. Let us know. Do you call right it practice in. rehearsal? Um, but I could really, like, you know, I could really only hear, like, the muffled drums or whatever. So I can't mm. really say. Okay. I'm going to pretend like they're really good. I have no evidence to the contrary so far. Great. I would love it if they were like a Florence and the Machine cover band. Ooh. Ooh. Really great. When we were um, driving back from Valdez, 
Ben Corbett was like, I really appreciate that you're giving Florence and the Machine her due that she like rarely gets on road trips. And I was like, Ben, this is pretty clearly your first yeah. road trip with me because that's basically all of my road trip music. It, as it should be. So, so bless Ben Corbett. What ben an angel. Corbett? We text now. I would love it if you would tell the good people what you're drinking. Oh, I am drinking a peeber. A peeber, ladies and gentlemen. A peeber. Well, because yeah, I we blew through all of our good beer in our in our week of festivities, week and a half of festivities. Fair. Which we blew through all. Oh of my God! Happy anniversary! Happy oh. birthday! Thanks. Happy Thanks. so many things. Thanks. What a big week for you. Thanks. Yeah, it was great. We went to Homer for uh, two nights and then we came home and hung out with the cats for like a day and a half. And then we went to Tangle Lakes for four days and then we came home and for my birthday had Beartooth Brunch, went Mm. and bought four new horror books Mm. and came home and took a nap. And then we woke up and watched a spooky movie. That's yes, that is. It was everything. It was a perfect. Yeah, it was a perfect time. It was great. It's great. I love that journey for you. Mm-hmm. I just being this close to my microphone really you know, makes it feels me feel like, like a golf announcer. I was gonna say it feels like you're like what are those? You know, on like like radios. I do know like radios. You're aware of radios? I sure am. <laughs> um, the like you know therapists that like people call into mm. and they're like like um, Delilah. Oh this, like, yes, I'm yes, Delilah. Not creepy. Delilah creeps me out. She's like, she's, it's, it's, it's very sultry. It's very like, let me tell you about your problems shortly before I give you a glass of wine. You know, go out for a nice steak dinner. Like it's very, I don't, I feel very weird about Delilah. I think that's exactly why I love her. (laughs) (laughs) Do you feel like you're like being wooed? I Well, here's what it is. (laughs) She, have you seen, um, uh, Sleepless in Seattle? Have you seen that movie? Like a long time ago. Get a long time ago. Shit together. And she's listening to the radio in the middle of the night, and the radio talk show host sounds like Delilah. I'm pretty sure she was like either, I don't know when Delilah started, but either she based herself off of Sleepless in Seattle or Sleepless in Seattle based it off of Delilah. I don't know. All I of see. that to say, <laughs> Delilah reminds me of Sleepless in Seattle, and that's why I like her. Great. I love that. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess creeped out is the wrong word for it because like, like I'm up, I'm up for being wooed by like some, it's just, it's more, it's more creeped out in the, like, I feel like, I feel like Delilah is the original ASMR, you know? Mm. And like, I really just can't mm-hmm. get behind ASMR. There's not, there's there, I don't think that there's any, with the exception of like a breeze, I don't know that there are any sounds to me that are like soothing. You know, like ocean waves, sure, but like right, but like people talking, like I, I don't. It's it's also not soothing for me. Um, I don't know. I just feel like she knows me better than I know myself. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm ready to hear her wise wise words on the radio. Okay, no, I can really get behind that, Delilah. If you're listening, I'm a we huge would love fan. To hear from you. <laughs> I'm Can sorry you I said imagine? that you creeped me out. <laughs> I am so sorry, Delilah. Delilah, listen. I wonder if her real name is Delilah or not. It's Guaranteed like, no. There's Susan. no way that her real name is Delilah. 
Are you kidding me with that voice? There's no way. I, I wonder, do you, I have so many questions now. Do you think that that's her, like, her, like, walking around voice? Linda. Hmm. Like, no. do you think that if you were in a mall and, like, somebody... No, I think it's her, I think it's her close to the microphone voice. Oh, okay. So you think that she, like, talks like us and then, like, hello and welcome back to Delilah. Absolutely. Like, absolutely. Oh, my so God. Okay. Like, here I am and I'm Reagan and I'm, like, having yeah. a great time. Yeah. And then here I am. And, and I'm Delilah. I do have a question. When was your babe born? Mm, shit. I was like, is this a thing that I should know what is coming? I don't know. Technically, my, yes. My babe was born 1928. I'm going first. Oh. I thought this was going to be the time. Barely. Okay. Barely. I can't wait for the time. I honestly am like kind of amazed that we've never had to go down to the month. Me too. That's, that's impressive. I know it's coming like a freight train. Yeah. But yes, I am going first. Just barely. Okay. <clears throat> I will probably have some pronunciations wrong. I apologize. Okay. Taylor. Yes. Have you ever heard of Zenaida or Zena Portnova? No. Oh, oh okay. Wait, Russian? Yes. I love... I love well, when you do Russian babes. Technically Belarusian. Because you pick the best. Okay, so. So. That area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Great. Great, great, great. Previously Soviet Union. Yes. Yeah, I was going to say Soviet, and then I was like, I guess not anymore, but. Not anymore, yeah. but previously Soviet. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so I'm going to call her Zena, because people either call her. Zena or Zenaida, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing her full name correctly. Okay. Zena was born February 20th, 1926. Oh, very close. Very close in Leningrad. Her family was a working class family. Her dad worked in an industrial plant. Unfortunately, we don't know anything about her mom. She was the oldest child, and she had a younger sister named Gayla. So when Zena was in the seventh grade, she and Gayla were sent to live with her grandmother in a village called Zoo, I believe, in northern Belarus. This was 1941. Mm, okay. okay. Beginning of the Nazi invasion less than a year later. Yeah. Beginning on June 22nd, this is, I literally like copied and pasted this sentence because it's very well written and also devastating. Beginning on June 22nd, 1941, German forces advanced 200 miles into Soviet territory within a week. And within months, 2.5 million Soviet soldiers were either dead, injured, or missing. Wow. Yeah. That's how it started. Wow. That's a lot of people. Right. So Zena is... In seventh grade, she's in like a small farming village and she doesn't become involved until they advance north to the town of Obol, which is really close to her grandmother's village. So the Nazis come through and they start trying to steal her grandmother's cattle. And her grandmother went out to be like, hey, fuck you. These are my cattle, you know, as one does. Mm -hmm. And they beat her. For trying to, you know, keep her own fucking property. 
So after watching the Nazis beat her grandmother, quote, the war became personal for the teenager and she grew to despise the Germans. Hmm. Oh, that's an origin story right there. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> how again, again, as always, how there isn't a movie about this person. I I, know. I will never understand. I kind of feel that way about basically every single person that we've ever covered on this podcast. I know. Of like, how is it possible that there's not a movie about you? I know. But just some of them lend themselves to cinematography so, well. so much easier. So well. I don't understand. This is so, truly like the beginning of Inglorious Bastards. That's it, the yes, same vibe. Yes, yes, it is. Same vibe. It's the beginning of Inglorious. I'm not going to tell you that. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm not going to tell you. I almost told you how it ended. Whew. No, okay. Yeah, good. Great. Okay. So, not long after, an underground resistance group started taking shape in Belarus. You love to see it. You love to see it. Yeah. And she joined the youth version a year after the Nazis invaded. What were they called? Did they have it was a name? A, it was officially called the All-Union Leninist Young Communist League. Okay. But it was commonly called the Young Avengers. Oh my god. Again, turns out I love I love like resistance group names. Always. Always. Oh. The Young Avengers. These kids are out for it. Okay. So uh real quick, because of the main name, I just want to take a hot minute and to be like, hey, I'm not hyping Lennon here. He was his own brand of horrible. I'm hyping the Young Avengers. Sure. Who I'm sure had incredible intentions and like the fact that they had courage in the face of actual Nazis when they were literal children and never should have been put in that position in the first place. Um, so, so boo linen, great young Avengers. Okay. Yes. Great. So wait, so when you say children, we're She's, probably going to get to it. Right. How, like how, okay. Just, at this How about point, you tell me your story. At this point, <laughs> and I will listen to you. <laughs> she's 16 right now. Cool. Very cool. Uh -huh. So this league, the Young Avengers, was a youth-led political organization, independent of the Soviet Communist Party, but it's often assumed to be the young branch of the Soviet Communist Party. Okay. Either way, Zena joins when she's fucking 16 years old, and becomes a vital part of the resistance. At 16. Yeah, she does. Mm. Yeah, she does. So she starts off. She's spying on the German soldiers. She's watching their movements and reporting back. She's distributing Soviet propaganda leaflets. She starts stealing and hiding weapons and then redistributing them to so Soviet soldiers instead of Nazi. You get it. All sorts of various covert operations. And then some of the older members teach her how to handle weapons. So then she starts being involved in active sabotage operations. I love sabotage stories. <laughs> I, yeah. Great. Yeah. Okay. So she and her comrades would attack all kinds of various Nazi locations. There was like a pump, there was a brick factory, there was a power plant. And they're just like various mayhem, what have you. It is believed that they are responsible for the deaths of over a hundred Nazi soldiers, which like side note, again, it's incredibly depressing to think that 
teenagers would need to fight and kill soldiers. I think war is really upsetting. Yes. And the fact that children would be forced to kill people. Yes. It's very red dawn. Anyone would be forced to kill people, but teenagers being forced to kill people to protect their own. It's really just, just yeah, stop it. Just all of you stop. Yeah. It is very red dawn. So anyway, to protect your family, yada, yada. Xena kills a bunch of Nazis. Yeah. So many. Her most legendary operation was in 1943. She infiltrated a German garrison and she posed as a kitchen worker. And she was like a sleeper agent for a while to like gain trust. I don't know how long, but anyway, she's like, yeah, I'm just a Soviet kitchen worker. Look at me. Just casual. Just extremely casual. Do you want some? Just you know, here. Mm, slosh. So um, and then she laces all of the food with poison one day. Damn, that is yeah. a move. Yeah. A bunch of soldiers get super sick and some of them die. And here's where it gets crazy. She was almost caught because the Nazis were like, you're the only Soviet kitchen worker. <laughs> like, duh. Clearly you did this. Come on. <laughs> and so to prove that she didn't, she ate some of the food. Wow. That yeah. is that is, yeah, that's like a movie. Yeah, she's like, why would I, and like, just, she's like, I would never, no, of course not, and just starts eating the food. So she knew the effects wouldn't take hold for a while. So once they see that she's eating it, nothing's happening, they're like, okay, fine, you can go. So she runs home to her grandmother's farm, gets violently ill, and her grandmother starts feeding her a bunch of whey, which is apparently the liquid left over after curdling milk. Gross. Yeah. But whatever. It's Apparently, like, way. like I, I understand <laughs> that it's a thing, but like thinking about like, yeah, it's the liquid left over after. Yes. Yeah. Oh, so then she's eating that. To, like, yeah. So she just, she's just drinking it... a bunch of it to quote counteract the effects of the poison. Either way, oh, yeah. she survived, but like, holy shit. So when she didn't come to work the next day, cause she was super ill. They were like, yeah, it was definitely her. <laughs> She wow. super did this. Um, so at that point, she became a fugitive, and she started working for a prominent military officer and politician, which, like, it was worded in the articles as, like, to stay covert, she starts working for this prominent military officer. And I was like, how does that keep her safe? Yeah. Like, wouldn't he be a target? Anyway. I mean... She becomes just as effective in carrying out armed assaults as she was when she was working for the Young Avengers. So she starts working. Her job, her new job, is attacking the Nazi patrol squads that are trying to round up resistance fighters. And she's like, not today, not my friends. Bop, 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 bop. No, it's not happening. Can you imagine? She's 17, by the way. Can you imagine how badass that 17-year-old is? Dude. Like, that's the crazy thing, too, is that there are so many of these stories from World War II of, like, like children mm-hmm. being like, nope. Nope. Get on Not out today. of here. I mean, mm-hmm. Sophie Scholl was, like, 19 when she died. Yeah. Like, I think she was, yeah, 19 or 20. Maybe younger. She was definitely over 18, but I think she was only 19 or 20. That's, man. 1944. She was sent on a reconnaissance mission to a Nazi garrison that she had previously infiltrated. So they were like, go 
reconnect, stoke your previous contacts and figure out why our previous sabotage mission failed. Cause they just had a recent mission that didn't work. And so they were like, we got to figure out why. Unfortunately, before she could do this, that seems like a huge mission to give a 17 year old. Yes. Wow. Yes. But before she could pull it off, she was recognized and the local police got her and gave her over to the Nazis. Ew. Big ew. Okay. So once they had her in custody, she's like, okay, they're going to kill me. My only chance is a crazy escape. That's it. So during an interrogation, she sees her opportunity. The Nazi guard either threw down his pistol or had his pistol sitting on the table. We're not really sure. Either way, it was probably there to threaten her with. She grabbed it, shot him in the face and killed him and ran out. That's so daredevil. Dude. What? Two guards what? heard the shot and came running in towards her. She shot both of them. She gets out of the compound and runs into the woods. Unfortunately, they did catch her. No. They caught her near the banks of a river. It looks like, like she was about to jump into the river to like cover her scent and get away. And they caught her right before she could. <sighs> this is where it goes. A like bummer. three really big bummer sentences. Great. Cool. They brought her back into custody, interrogated and brutally tortured her and blinded her. Um, then took her out into the woods and executed her by gunshot. Oh my good Lord. She was one wow. month, one month shy of her 18th birthday. A child. Yeah. She died like, on January 15th, 1944. Wow. She was going to turn 18 on February 20th. Wow. In, insane. Please excuse this horrible lawnmower right next to my ear. But no, I get it. I get it. Um, we're wow. Not, we're not in fancy, you know, Podcast recording band? studios. Yeah. No. We're in apartments. Damn. Um, so on July 1st, 1958, she was posthumously awarded the title of Hero of the Soviet Union, and it made her the youngest female ever awarded the Soviet Union's highest honor. There are a whole bunch of plaques and monuments and youth organizations named after her. Like she's absolutely a hero all over there. And then real quick, one of the articles that I read about Zena, it's a lot like a lot of those other like really short stories where almost all of the information on every article is exactly the same, but there's like one or two details that are different or one or two, you know, or yeah. But this article ended with, quote, this is what a freedom fighter looks like, not some blue haired harpy screaming about pronouns. Ew. And it enraged me. Ew. I literally I was just sitting there staring with my hands on my laptop and like didn't know what to do. And it just it it, it started me thinking about like the difference between these people. And so like. Zena Portnova, Sophie Scholl, girls and women who were absolutely pushed past the brink to protect their families. Like, obviously, they should have their stories told. They should be respected. They should be honored. But it should be noted that they were fighting during genocides and Holocaust and literal world wars. 
people who are fighting for civil liberties are also fighting for freedoms. They're fighting for people to be able to be their authentic selves. Yeah, they're they're fighting so that it doesn't get to that point. That's exactly. Like, I sincerely yeah. hope that we're past the point where we would need to lay down our own lives or kill other people to afford people those freedoms. Maybe that's naive of me. Maybe that's my privilege speaking. It probably is. But, like, the the point I would hope is, like, Someone with blue hair protesting for all people to have equal rights is how we keep ourselves out of a situation like World War II. Obviously, yeah. that's a a hugely oversimplified, boiled down version. Like, that's not why World War II happened. No. But fighting for equal rights for everyone is one of the huge stepping stones on how we don't get to this place ever again. Mm -hmm. It just, Oh my God, it made me so mad. Um, so anyway, if you're going to look up more about Xena Portnova, I highly recommend it. Please do it. Not all websites that you find will be like that about it. Insanely inspiring, crazy life of Xena Portnova. That's amazing. That's an right? insane story. Right? Wow. 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 Yeah. They, Truly like a movie. Seriously. Like, yeah. how, I mean, to source my shit, I got some info from Wikipedia. I got, uh, there was this really cute website called hercampus.com. And I think it's college writers, like college female writers that write for, like, for and about women. And it was called Xena Portnova, Young Avenger and Real Life Teenage Nazi Killer by Ellie Baker. Oh, yeah, girl. That's an amazing title for anything. So good. And also the idea of that is excellent. I just love so everything good. that you just told me. Big fan. And then, of course, I pretty much told you word for word the article from All That's Interesting by Natasha Ishak. And at the end of that article, it was like, did you enjoy this article about Zenaida Port Nova? Like, you should also read about the Night Witches and Sophie Scholl. And I was like, love it into it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How are you okay. feeling? Are you ready? Is it your turn? I'm so ready. Reagan. Taylor. Oh, wait. wait, wait, wait. Hang on. I have a thing that I have to put into our little chat, and oh I don't God. want you to look at it yet. Oh, okay. I love these with visuals. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, don't look at that. I won't. <laughs> okay. Although it probably tells you exactly what it is. It just popped up cool. all of it. Great. Cool. <laughs> love it. Well. Sweet. Who Damn is she it. and what does she do? Damn it. Okay. <laughs> Reagan. Have you, ever heard? <laughs> Have you ever heard of Norma Merrick Sklarik? Which is like maybe the most fun name. It is hands down the most fun name. And no, not before five seconds ago had I ever heard that name Damn. or seen that, it. That sucks too, because I even have a thing in here like, what is she going to be? <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> Okay. Norma was born April 15th, 1928 in Harlem. Um, I, for some reason I wrote Harlem, New York in here as though there's like a Harlem. There, I mean, there city. are, there's a Harlem Chicago. Like there's, Oh, oh there's, okay, great. there's well, other then, Harlems. Just kidding. Um, I, I knew born in Harlem, Harlem, New York. Right. Um, her parents were Trinidadian. Her father was a doctor. Her mom was a seamstress. Um, so she's like, super close to her dad like they're like buds 
Um, she learns a ton about like math and science from him. I guess they weren't done mowing their lawn. I thought that sure. they were, but gotta really um, get those corners. Gotta get them. Uh, so she like he's like teaching her about math and science and stuff. And so then she ends up being really great at both of those subjects at Hunter College High School, which is like a very confusing name for a high school. Extremely. The word college is in there, but it's definitely a high school. Hmm. Um, she also is great at fine arts. And so that, like, those three subjects means architect. Architect. (laughs) So she goes to Barnard College for a single year because you had to have at least a year of college under your belt to be able to apply for Columbia University School of Architecture. She goes to Barnard for one year and then gets into Columbia in 1945, which is like crazy impressive in its own right because at that time I think we've actually talked about it before where Columbia was not admitting women um and when they did admit women it was very very limited basis on top of the fact that she's black like it's a huge thing for her to get into Columbia College um so she has like kind of a shit time there because most of her classmates already had if not Master's of degrees, they already had bachelors. Um, yeah. Most of them were veterans because it's 1945. Oh, shit. Um, yeah. And most of them, and this is probably the biggest factor on it, they were white. So they all would exclude her from study groups. So they would go study together. Yeah. They would do projects together. They would collaborate a lot. And so she didn't have any of that like support when she was there. So she was like, all right, fuck it. I guess I'll use my isolation to study a lot. (laughs) So she, like, nails it. Um, She ends up graduating from Columbia in 1950. She was one of only two women to graduate, and she was the only black person to graduate. Hell yes. Mm. Mm. Get it, girl. So she, when she graduates, she goes and applies to and then is subsequently rejected from 19 different architecture firms, despite having a brand new fancy architecture degree. Um, She said, quote, they weren't hiring women or African-Americans, and I didn't know which it was working against me. Like, (laughs) just so stacked against her. So... She starts working for New York City. Um, she starts working in the public works department. She's there for four years. And like every article that I read finally was like, yeah, after four years, she realized that she was just really fucking bored. So she went and took the four day long architecture exam to be licensed. What? A four day long test. I would die of test anxiety. I can't. No, that would. No, no, no. no thank you. What? <sighs> Isn't that disgusting? I know. The only so, the only multi-day test I've ever taken was like an aptitude test. So it was like, which of these do you like? What of these are you good at? Like it was all yeah. about me and it was still exhausting. Yeah, still hard. Um, you should have had Delilah take that test for you. Delilah. She would have passed it for you because she knows you better than you know yourself. That's true. That's true. Okay. So 1954. By, by the by... Every single time the word architecture is, I'm saying, it's spelled differently in my story. Yes. <laughs> Apparently, I don't have any idea how to spell architecture. <laughs> this version that I'm looking at has three E's and two U's. <laughs> Who knows? Our, 
architecture. It's like so, couture <laughs> architecture. Yeah, it's the it. French version. I love um, it. So she takes the architecture exam. Um, she passes on her first try, which is like huge. Hell yeah. So it officially makes her the first licensed black woman in New York City for architecture and one of the first in the country. Um, Fuck all of you. She knows dude. how to design buildings. Dude, I love that she was just like, yeah, all right, whatever. Like, I don't need anybody to help me out do, with any of this. This is what this. I have to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so 1955, she lands a job with Skidmore, Owings, and Merrill, otherwise known as SOM. It's this, like, big, fancy architecture firm in New York. Sounds um, like it. She also, like, got that job despite a really shitty reference from her boss at Public Works. And everybody is like, yeah, it's because he didn't like her because she was, like, a, a like, she was already she a licensed architecture. Him. She was a young black woman that was educated and she was, didn't need him. Yeah, going to surpass, like, anything that he was doing in his career. So, like, he gave her a shit reference and she still got the job. Good. Um, so when she's at SOM, it's like exactly what she's looking for. It, she was doing, um, she was helping design bigger and bigger projects. She starts teaching architecture at New York City Community College to support her two kids. By the way, at this point, she's been married twice. Um, she's divorced. She has two kids. Um, Great. So she, uh, 1960, decides, you know what, we're gonna, we're gonna keep, keep going on up. So she applies for a job at. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you said 1960, keep going on up, and I was like, in her hairstyle, in her building style. I don't know. Which All of the one. above. All yes. of the above. Everything is getting higher. Corporate ladder climbing is what yes. I was referencing. Yes. Um. So she. Her son at this point is living in L.A. And she was like, yeah, L.A. sounds great. It's where my kid is. It's got sun. Let's do it. Mm. So she applies for and then gets a job as um, the vice president of yes. Gruen, and Asso Gruen Associates in L.A. Right. Um, she was the first woman to hold this role. She was the only black woman at the firm. She didn't have a car and she had a ton of scrutiny on her because she was black. She was a woman and she was only 32. As the vice president. It's so stupid that she has to then be better. Nope. Just wait. Just wait. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Carry on. Just wait. Within a week of working there, God. she's getting in trouble with the boss because she's consistently late. The thing is that she didn't have a car, so she was carpooling with a coworker of hers who had been late every day for two years. But because he was a white dude, Nobody he cared. was, quote, unquote, less visible, as she put it. And so, like, nobody even picked up on it. But nobody because cared. she had all this extra scrutiny on her, right. she was immediately in trouble. Um, so she's like, all right, fine. So she buys herself a car. <laughs> she was like, I'm not. I have like, to. Yeah, like, she's just having to figure out all of these workarounds to be judged on her merit rather than all this shit that she has no control over whatsoever. That stupid Gruen associate should have bought her a car. Crazy. Seriously, though. Yeah, also, really. the name is confused. Is it Gru and Associates? No, no, it it's Gruen. It's Gruen. It's G-R-U-E-N. It's Gruen Confusing Associates. Name. I'll be honest. Um, it might be Gruen. Gruen. I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? Call Ryan. There's no way to know. There's no way to find out. Um, so 1962, she passes the licensure exam in California, which makes her the first black woman licensed here as well. 
she's just like just traveling the country the state. Yeah, she's first. like fine I'll be the first like, fine um 1966 she's only six years into working there she's the firm's director yes she's fully taken over um, so she is responsible for hiring and overseeing staff architects. She's coordinating technical aspects for big projects. She did the California Mart, Fox Plaza, Pacific Design Center, San Bernardino City Hall, and the U.S. Embassy in Tokyo. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, so there was an article on pioneeringwomen.org. Love it. Cute website. Um, and it says, quote, her son, David Merrick Fairweather, recalled how she was considered the design, as she considered the design of a building the easy part, but, quote, she would make it real. What kind of concrete, what kind of nuts and bolts, what kind of glass? She was in production, and she would tell you production was the real work. So, but the only reason that she was only ever in production is because, at the time, design architects were very rarely women, and even if they were women, they the, the architecture firm wouldn't tell the client because they wanted to keep business. And clients would walk away if they found out that it was being designed by a woman. Because so that's women, why Taylor, women have never been in a building. They've no. never been around buildings. They don't no. know how buildings building. And so how Famously, could, how women live design? their entire lives outside? Yes. So we're hunter gatherers for life. Yep. Yep. It's in our DNA. That's just science. You can't argue that. So, um, so like, that's part of the reason that she is like, like nobody really knows her as an architect just off offhand because she didn't get credit for a lot of the shit that she did because they wouldn't attach her name. We'll talk about it a little bit more later, but anyway. Um, also, this is like in the late sixties. Right. This is like not very long ago at all. No. Um, so she had a philosophy about architecture. She said, quote, it should be working on improving the environment of the people in their homes, in their places of work and their places of recreation. It should be functional and pleasant, not just in the image of the ego of the architect. Yes. Yeah. Yep. She's so cute. So she ends up staying at Grun Associates for 20 years. She eventually marries, marries fellow architect Rolf Sklarik. They were Aww. married for a long time and then he dies. and She ended up getting remarried to a doctor. Do you think they ever, um, like, broke up with a bottle of wine and were, like, talking about, like, scaffolding or something? I don't know. Yes. Just, like, yes. windows. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Yes. I 100% do think that. Um, okay, so now we're into, like, when she's just, like, getting shit done. <laughs> so. She wasn't I, already? Okay. So, 1966, same year that she becomes Grin's director, she becomes the first black woman to be a member of the American Institute of Architects, the AIA. She's teaching architecture at UCLA from 1972 to 1978. Oh. 1980, she becomes the AIA's first black woman elected into its College of Fellows. Oh. I don't really know what that means, but it sounds very prestigious. It sounds so. like a board or something. Hmm, I bet you're right. Or like, like a scholarship land. Yeah, like it's not like they don't make like everyday decisions, but like they go to the fellows for specific, I don't know. Yeah. So, okay, so that same year, 1980, she moves to another L.A.-based firm called Welton Beckett. All of these, like, firms have such mm -hmm. silly corporate names to me. They just, it's just, I, it's, it's almost as though these, like, names should be wearing suits, you know? Yeah, because, um, like, is it, is it a architecture firm? Is it a law firm? Is it a real estate company? Is it? Yeah. Do they do, you know? Is it a PR company? Like, there's no way to know. Yeah. Or do they do? 
cremations and funeral services. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Do they do it all? Are they like a one-stop shop? Wow. Can you imagine the board of fellows at that place? (laughs) Squares. All, all of them. All of them. Squares, all of them. Corporate picnics, still dull. Ugh, barf. The boringest. (laughs) Okay. So. I'm so sorry. Please continue. Please do not apologize. At all. So, okay, so um, she's at Welton Beckett. Mm. Like, um, she's the vice president, again. She's designing, she designs and project directs the $50 million Terminal 1 expansion at LAX. What year is this? This is 1980. So, so $300 million. Seriously, though. Okay, this is when you can go look at that link. Oh, oh my God, the chat. I forgot about the chat. Because that was the thing is you bar- you you gave me the lead so early. Yeah. I forgot about it. So the Tokyo Embassy is like very functional. It looks very nice. It looks like a nice building, but it's not like super flashy or anything. And then the terminal is amazing. Oh, oh, the lights, the arcs. Mm. Mm. That plane in the background, that huge that tree cool? in the foreground. Oh my god. Isn't that so cool? That's what the LAX looks like? That's so cool. Yeah, right? Yeah, it's all circular. It's so cool. Which, like, very cool. Wonderful way to get that, like, whatever that's called, flight tower, flight deck, I don't know. Yeah, to, like, yeah, see yeah. all the way <clears throat> very Um, So they built that to accommodate um, an influx of tourists for the 1984 Summer Olympics that were held in L.A. Very cool. Um, which, like, kind of blows my mind that they would have to, like, build a whole new section of the airport to host it. You have to build a whole new city for the Olympics, essentially. It's unbelievable. Um, so 1985, she co-founds, along with two women named Margot Siegel and Catherine Diamond, the firm Siegel Scleric Diamond. Yes. It's the largest, at the time, it was the largest women-owned firm in the U.S., and she was the first black woman to co-own an architecture practice. Hell yes. Mm. So, um, sad news, it didn't last for a long time because they were all women, so they were having trouble getting commissioned for big projects. Far. So she leaves after four years. Um, 1987, she receives the Association of Black Women Entrepreneurs Outstanding Business Role Model Award. Amazing. But also very cool. Sure is. She she joined up with the JAIRD, I think. J-E-R-D-E. JAIRD Partnership. Sure. Um, And she helps design slash build the Mall of America. Oh, fun. Yeah. So um, 1992, she finally retires. Uh, but in her retirement, she lectured at Howard University, Columbia, which makes me laugh a lot that it was like such a hard yes. time for her. And then she's like back as a lecturer. Um, and she like specifically set out to mentor a whole crop of minority and women architects. Very cute. She said, yeah. quote, in architecture, I had absolutely no role, ro- no role model. I'm happy today to be a role model for others that follow. Wow. I love her. So 2003, sorry, go ahead. Can we talk about this Pacific Design Center? Oh my God, the colorful one? Yeah. Yeah, yes. Yes. What? It's very cool. What? Um, you should Google a 
uh, um, it's like a dolphin from the air. It's like, yeah, it's like Legos just got dropped in the middle of LA. It's so cool. Whoa. Yeah. Very, very cool. Extremely cool. How do you get so cool? Because it's like so like that. It's so out of place and looks so great. That huge lamp. I know. It's so good. Oh, God. Everyone. So good. Google this immediately. Or if you're listening to this, just look on our Instagram because we'll put it there. That also. 2003, she's appointed to the California Architects Board, serving on two different committees. She also serves on the California State Board of Architectural Examiners, the AIA National Ethics Council. She's a juror for the National Council of Architecture Registration Boards. Like, she's just, like, doing it all. Yeah. Um, She is the director of USC's Architects Guild and a director of the Los Angeles American Institute of Architects. 2007, she's honored by the Goodwill Board of Governors for work on behalf of the disabled. 2008, the AIA gives her the Whitney M. Young Jr. Award, which honors pioneers of the field. Um, Howard University has a scholarship in her name specifically for young architects. So, um, yeah, I mean, she was working basically up until she died. She died February 6th, 2012 of heart failure. Dude. Uh, She was 85. She died at home. Um, So let's, okay. So significant buildings of hers. Um, The two biggest ones that people know for her are the terminal at LAX. Uh um, And then the embassy of the United States in Tokyo. She did it, she co-designed it with a guy named Cesar Pelli, and he is the one that was mainly credited. Of course he was, of course. Yep. Yep. So, um, the only, the only one, okay, the rest of the buildings we're going to talk about, she worked on while she was a director at Gruen, and only the U.S. Embassy in Japan acknowledges her contributions. Okay? Okay. So, Fox Plaza in San Francisco. The California Mart in L.A., San Bernardino City Hall in San Bernardino, the Pacific Design Center in L.A., what we were just talking about, uh, the Embassy of the United States in Tokyo, the Santa Monica Place, Santa Monica, Terminal One, and the Mall of America. And only the Embassy acknowledges her. Good Lord. Isn't that garbage? It's real, yeah. It's extreme garbage. Um, but that is Norma Merrick's cleric. That's incredible. Isn't she amazing? Absolutely amazing. Um, Okay, let me source my shit real quick. Wow. Also, all of the photos, you're going to be obsessed. She's the best. Um, So, Wikipedia, obviously. Pioneering Women of American Architecture is my, that was my, like, my big one. Um, they just have an article called Norma Merrick's Cleric. It was written by Patricia Morton from the University of California, Riverside. Um, Columbia University has uh, a like notable Columbians section. As they should. As they should. Um, let's see. Blackcast.org, a classic. I love that website. Um, yes. That article was written by Susan Griffith. 
And then designpulp.net is where I got the photos and the like, hey, here are cool things that she built, written by Melody Richardson. So cool. Yeah. Big fan. Wow. Big fan. Good job, dude. Thanks. Great, babe. Thanks. I was going to do a lady. I I don't think that I'm going to do her because there's just not enough information about her. Um, but she's known as the Earthquake Lady. Her name oh. is Kate Hutton. And she is still alive, I believe, and was the, like, main seismologist at USC in California for, like, 30 years. And, like, helped yeah. develop a lot of different, like, earthquake, like, sensing and, like, yeah. So I was going to do her, but then I, like, started researching her. I was like, there is not enough here for me. Yeah. Dynamite job. Oh, um, my babe this week, she's been my babe before. She will be my babe again. It's our, our friend, Callie Randall. Oh, my my great friend, Callie Randall. Um, she's moving home to go back to school to like follow her ultimate passion and start her career in less than a week. Oh, wow. And I know. And I'm really, really bummed. Well, no, I'm not bummed. I'm really excited for her. I'm bummed that I don't get to hang out with her every day anymore. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm really, really excited for her. And she's really excited. And she helped me move a ton the past few weeks. And I'm really, really thankful. Like, she sold all of her stuff. So she's getting to stay with us the last, like, few days that she's here, which I love. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, I'm just, like, I'm really, really – we had this conversation today because we moved – we started our road trip to Chicago today, six years ago. Oh, mm-hmm. oh my God. Wow. So tomorrow is our six year anniversary of being in Chicago. Wow. And I, we were having this conversation today where I was like, what part of your life right now would you never have believed six years ago? And we both thought it was going to be like one or two things. We talked for like an hour. Mm-hmm. about all the different parts of our life that we never ever would have believed would be real in a great way. Yeah. If we had told ourselves six years ago, you know, and it was just like, it was really, really nice to acknowledge all that we've achieved and all that we've like who we've grown into and who we've become. And it's, it was really, really great. And I just like, I love her. I'm going to miss the shit out of her, but I'm really, really excited to see what she does. Oh, that's a really good one. Whatever sentiment and star. Who's yours? Ugh. Um, well, I think mine is also going to be a friend of ours slash friend of the podcast. Um, but for much less sentimental. I mean, not really. It's it's sentimental for me. <laughs> but yeah, um, there's no ranking of sentiment. It's gonna be a big time Jill Sourwine. <gasps> um, I'm fully obsessed with that woman. Um, yeah, she's about how big of a fan I am for years. Um, but she and I had picked back up on our horror movie train of me trying Good. to teach her how to watch horror movies. Good. And so she came over and watched Midsummer uh, like two weeks ago. And it was just great. Like, it was just a great time. And especially after 2020 when, like, mm-hmm. I mean, Jill and I legit did not see each other for a year, <laughs> like a full year, not in person. And so, like, to be able to just, like, have her come over to my house and, like, sit on the same couch as me and, like, drink White Claws and watch a scary movie together and just, like, giggle was 
it was great. It was so great. Um, and then like we went and got brunch last weekend and it was just, it like getting to hang out with Jill more than kind of anything has, has made me feel very normal, you know, Good. of like 2020 is like kind of finally starting to not, not, be in the background. No, the all. pandemic like, is not over. If, all, not if anything, we're just ramping right back of up. People like, that are, right. And we're getting back to it, but being vaccinated has alleviated a lot of that anxiety. Please get vaccinated, everyone. You guys, you guys, Delilah and joking. Taylor are both telling you, please get don't get vaccinated. Fucking vaccinated. Um, it's the best. It's the best. It really is. I don't have this crushing anxiety that I'm going to die from going to the grocery store. Anyway, Jill is the best, and I love her dearly. Yeah, big fan. Big, big, big fan. Um, So I think she's my babe. As she should be. Yeah. Jill, we love you. Jill, you're the best. Callie, you're the best. Babe's the best. Yeah, they're the best. Best. They're just the best. Women are so cool. Dude, like every single day, I'm always just like, damn, women are amazing. Mm-hmm. Women are amazing and like have to deal with so much garbage. Mm-hmm. Well, dang. Four and a half hours later. Yeah. Happy, <laughs> here we are. Happy Babe Town birthday, my dude. Happy Babe Town birthday. Oh my God, I didn't take my photo. Wait. Do I still look Pretend naked? Like- Pretend like this is in the middle. Oh, especially now because you're like because it's the, darker. Um, it's dark, yeah. Um, so this lady was so crazy. Like we're in the middle of, <laughs> and it was insane. I can't even tell you. I'm extremely not naked right now, but wow, this lady, what a babe! Oh my god, <laughs> am I? This is my favorite actor? photo I've ever taken of either of us. In any situation ever. That's bold. Because that um, one of us at. Not. Oh. Wait, what? Are, which one are you going to say? I don't know. You cut me off. I don't know. I don't know. No, tell me, please. No, I'm not going to. Oh, my God. When I post this photo, I'm going to post the one I was going to mention next to it. <laughs> um, I, like, everybody, pick your favorite photo. <laughs> because the one that I'm thinking of is the one of us kissing corn. Another great photo. That's not fair. <laughs> but another great photo. Oh, on our dates with corn. <laughs> and Delilah, if you're listening. <laughs> oh my God, please. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful evening. I assume you only listen to stuff in the evening. It could be no other time of day. I don't believe that Delilah wakes up prior to <laughs> 4.30. For all we know, Delilah has to talk like this because she's horribly hungover all the time. I that might be slanderous. Love I guess. that theory. I but love that. Theory. But that I also love hanging out with Delilah a lot. Oh yes, I also love that I could not see your face that whole time. <laughs> it was just your chair while I listened to you this slander like Delilah. Delilah only wakes up at four thirty because she's always hungover. Which means she's just like three gins in every time she's recording. Oh, man. Okay, so wait. So do we think that this is, God, this is really truly like an ode to Delilah. I love it. This is, oh, buddy, we should have said, hey there, Delilah. 
No. And I'm like, no, that's, no. No, that's a dumb joke. You're right. I, <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> You're right. That's, that's so stupid. stupid. I'm so stupid. glad Evan fed me that joke and I didn't. <laughs> Man, Evan, God, what are you doing? Like 95% of this episode is going to be us talking about Delilah. I didn't realize that it was within me to talk about Delilah for so long, but I didn't realize that you had so many opinions. I didn't realize that I had so many opinions. I had no idea I had so many opinions about Delilah or theories. We had, we are, we've born whole conspiracy theories about Delilah. Yeah. I'm so into it. I'm going to immediately Google who Delilah is after this. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's going to be something really disappointing. She's going to be like, I'm going to guess she's like. Cindy Langford from Pittsburgh. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) That was so fast and sounded so accurate. Thank you. that, That was as though you were Googling Delilah right now. Okay. 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 Let's do it. All right. We're gonna we're gonna do it. I love you. So, I love you. And on the count of three, okay? Okay. <laughs> Wait, are we going up to three or down from three? This is like this is well, like why would when you say on the like count of three like three and then you click? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, we have to do this. <laughs> Time number eight. We can do it. We can do it. This is going to take me one million years to edit. I am and so I'm sorry. In very excited to listen back to all of it. It just makes me laugh. All of the shit that we that I cut out, it just makes me laugh. Okay. I love you very much. I love you too. Have enjoy your evening. night. Goodbye. Enjoy great doing business with goodbye. you. I'm shaking your hand. Pleasure. Okay, goodbye. Doing business. All mine. Bye. See you again.